A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at the movie adaptation of The Maze Runner and also some spoilers for the rest of the trilogy. Yeah, I've decided I'm not going to read the rest of these books. I'm just going to go on the Wikipedia and look up what happens because I kind of care about what happens, but I do not want to put myself through the process of reading the books. I I could watch the movies. But from what I just witnessed, watching The Maze Runner, they're completely different things. So let's talk about this movie. It was a huge mess, and yet it was so much cleaner, tidier, neater than the book. So what does that tell you about the book? The person who adapted this book must have just read it through and said, cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. That doesn't make any sense. Let's cut that. Let's simplify this. Because hooly dooly, it was a completely different story. I mean, not completely different. There was still a maze that they ran around in for some reason and there was some grievers and then they got out of the maze, but twist, they're still in an experiment. So the bare bones were still there. But as I was watching it, I was like, am I not concentrating or is the sun still out? You know, they didn't, they didn't even get rid of the sun going away. There was no telepathic communication between Thomas and Teresa. Teresa, who woke up after three minutes, she was barely in a coma. We didn't get scene upon scene of Albion Minnow, who apparently it's pronounced Minho, which that was a revelation to me. But yeah, we didn't get scene after scene of them throwing rocks into a griever hole and we didn't call it a griever hole. But they were taking so much out that what we had left didn't make any sense. So you know how in the books, the runners, they map things. Well, here there's, they don't draw maps. They just have this big giant 3D model made out of twigs. And so like, what are they all doing all the time then? What are they running in there for if they're not drawing maps? And yet it still was almost two hours long. They cut out so much and yet it was still two hours long. When I saw the two hour long runtime, I was like, oh, well, obviously we'll get those great scenes of Thomas just hanging out in the cemetery. Nah, gone. Beetleblades, gone. Him running around in the maze and reading Kill Zone Experiment Department or whatever the hell, gone. The hidden words in the maze that then have to be punched in as the code, gone. Now it's just some random numbers. I think just based on like what order the doors open in or something. Like, okay, that was hard for them to crack. And that's the thing, like, oh, well, why didn't they solve that in the last two years? And without any maps, Albie's got nothing to go crazy about and burn. There's no slide. I don't even think they make mention that they're named after famous people, but there's this whole big subplot where the gladers have to scratch their name into the wall. And then when one of them dies, they then scratch that name off. Like, what, why, what's the purpose of that? What would be the point? I'm not too sure. One of the changes I did like is that they sort of go through the changing once they're stung by a griever. They sort of cut out the middleman because in the book, it was like, you got to get stung by a griever, which makes you die. But then you put grief serum in to save you. But then that triggers this changing. And in this one, they're like, "Uh, 
Too complicated. Let's just have the changing B from when someone gets stabbed by a griever. Fantastic. Okay, well, let's just talk through it basically. So uh, the cast, there were some familiar faces. There was that guy from Teen Wolf. And there was that guy that used to look awkward. He has the same eyebrows as Sid from Toy Story. But now that he's in a Marvel movie, he's hot. Isn't that funny how as soon as you get cast in a Marvel movie, you turn hot? Anyway, he's Gally. And Gally had a bigger role because he doesn't disappear like he did in the book. He's sort of a constant presence. And he's also making like prison hooch. And then he's having a fight club with Thomas. Why were they just having like a little fight club at night? What, what was that about? And then once the Grievers start attacking the Glade, Gally sort of just becomes the boss. You know, in the book, he was in hiding. He appears for a little bit, then he gets taken away with the Griever. Now they're just like t- following his lead. Apparently he's the leader. And then there's that really weird part where he tries to make an offering to the Grievers of Thomas and Teresa, which is pretty weird. They thought it was going to be a, a regular banishment, but then it wasn't. By the way, we've got to talk about the banishment. Remember in the book, there was the super long banishment pole that everyone had to carry. <laughs> the pole was so long, like 13 people had to carry it. Now in the movie, they were like, we're not going to fucking make a big giant pole. That's stupid. We're just going to all individually have poles and push him into the maze. Makes much more sense. Anyway, so yeah, Gally was going to like execute them by tying them up to these poles. And then they, they get away and they're like, no, Gally, we're not going to do that. And then they just run into the maze and <laughs> there's no big like riot. There's no big motivational speeches while they're charging into the maze with the 41 people. No, there's actually like six or seven people. The Glade doesn't seem that full. Also, they're all adult males. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I mean, apart from Chuck, some of those guys were pushing 30, uh, maybe even over 30. But anyway, and back to Gally, who was in the whole movie. He had quite the screen presence. So he wants to execute them. And they're like, no, we're going to run in the maze and going to solve it. And so then they do. And then they escape and they go back down at the end. And they're like, oh no, all these dead bodies are around. I do think Wicked, if that's what we're calling the creators, sort of did a better job pulling the wool over their eyes with the fake rescue in this one because there was dead bodies littered around and there was like a video message. It was all very cinematic. Anyway, then Gally appears. How the hell did he get there? Like you were just left out in the maze. Now you're here. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill someone for some reason. (laughs) So he kills Chuck, but then also he dies. Remember in the book, I was like, I don't know if Gally's dead or not, but in this one, yeah, he's very much dead. Anyway, that's Gally's storyline. What else we got to talk about? Yeah, Teresa didn't, didn't even have to be in the movie. As far as I'm concerned, she was barely there. Like she was more of a big deal in the book when she was asleep for 40 chapters. Whereas now she's alive and awake, but no big deal. And they all seem to sort of like, you know, just acclimatize to her presence really quickly. They're like, oh yeah, that's Teresa. She's involved in all of it. Um, But I do enjoy that they were less rapey about her. That's something I didn't like about the book. One of many things. Anyway, back to the start of the movie. I'm I'm all over the shop, but so is this movie. So it doesn't really matter. So when he comes out of the box at the start, Thomas is all flustered and he starts running. And one of them goes, we've got a runner. And I was like, okay. That seems a bit too on the nose, doesn't it? They were overdoing the runner thing. And yet when he does first see the runners exiting the maze, they're just doing a light jog. And I was like, well, they're not running. They're practically hobbling. And the maze itself, uh, well, it's not in another pocket dimension or in a big warehouse. It's just, as we see at the end of the movie, it's just in the middle of a desert. 
which makes you think if they've now made it on the same like level field as the outside world, that big box that's coming up through the elevator in the ground, I mean, how deep is it? But anyway, they're making a big deal about the maze walls moving. They're like, yeah, it's crazy. But I'm like, it, it looks like a big mechanical structure with doors that move. Like, it doesn't seem that ridiculous to me watching it. Anyway, what else is going on? So um, they do a burning man when he's in the glade. They just have like this burning effigy. And there's just random tree houses. We don't get the homestead as such. It's just like little random Lord of the Flies establishments, which makes more sense. Oh yeah, and the little boy from Love Actually is there. So that's something. And remember that guy that tries to kill Thomas? There was like no context for him. Um, he was meant to have gone through the changing, been stung by a griever, slowly, you know, poisons himself against Thomas, tries to kill Thomas. But in this one, he's just like, oh, hey guy. And then he's like, I'm going to kill you. And then, and then they're like, oh no, he was bitten by a griever. And they pull up his shirt and they're like, oh yeah, there's the griever wound. And I'm like, well, okay, but if he got stabbed by a griever, why is the shirt still intact? Anyway, I mean, as I said, no banishing pole. When he dies, they cross his name off the wall. Like why bother? But yeah, that second half of the movie, uh, I was lost. I've read the book and I was lost. I, don't, I didn't know what was going on. I mean, the only thing I really liked about the, the changed ending was how they got on a helicopter instead of a bus at the end. That sort of seemed more cinematic. And I mean, fleshing out Ava Page, Chancellor Page as a character, I guess was better. Oh, terrible film. Terrible, terrible film. I'll never watch it again in my whole entire life. Nor will I watch the sequels. But speaking of sequels, let's get into that. So I'm just going to go onto the Wikipedia right now in front of me and see what happens. Let's see if it makes any sense in our Wikipedia format. So the next one is the Scorch Trials. According to Wikipedia, Thomas is in the dormitory with the other teenagers. They're the ones that escaped and have now been rescued, wink, wink. And Teresa's talking to him telepathically. Which makes me wonder, like in the other movies, how do they not ever bring this up that he can speak telepathically with her? I don't know. So the facility is being attacked by cranks, (laughs) proper noun capital C. They are zombie-like people that have been infected by the flare. Odd to call them cranks. That's, uh, what a stupid book. So cranks were normal citizens before the flare, but then they became crazed zombie-like killers. Okay, then just call them zombies. (sighs) Ah. So then Thomas and the others realize that their rescuers are dead, probably a wink, wink. They're probably fine. And then they find Teresa missing from her room. And in her place is a boy called Aris Jones. And apparently Aris or whatever his name is, he was in group B, a similar experiment. And he was the only male and it was a group full of girls. I I kind of would have preferred to have read that book, honestly. Because I can imagine what took those boys two years to solve would have taken the girls like three weeks. And then the boys discover tattoos on their necks that assign them specific roles and fates. Okay, no elaboration on that. That one, that, okay, that's something. And then they go back into the common area and the bodies of the rescuers have disappeared. And then they almost die of starvation. Okay, what a thrilling book so far. And then they find a scientist called, well, look at this. It says, Thomas takes a rest after waking up and he finds Minho with an apple. That's all. He finds Minho with an apple. Um, wh- why is that worthy of being added to the Wikipedia? If the Wikipedia 
is this boring in its condensed plot dense format, then surely the book is boring because far out. Okay, Minnow finds an apple. Okay, far out. Stop the press. Okay, so then they find a scientist from Wicked called Jansen and the boys call him Ratman because of his rat-like appearance, which just seems, <laughs> seems a bit cruel. He says they've been studying the boys to find a cure for the flare. He tells them they've been infected with the flare and in two weeks they must get through the scorch, which is the most burned out section of the earth to find a safe haven and get the cure. Why? Why? I thought it was to study their brains to see if, if they don't give up and now you're infecting them with the flare or whatever to see if they get through the scorch. Who, who cares? Why are you hiding the cure away from them? If there's a cure, cure them. What? Doesn't make any sense. So to get to the scorch, they have to go through a flat trans. Um, <laughs> I don't know what a flat trans is, but it sounds, it sounds mean, um, which is a type of portal that closes five minutes after the set hour. What? Oh, this is wild. Okay, so they go through the flat trans to the scorch and then they find themselves in a tunnel filled with the metal slicing mechanisms. <laughs> so it's a booby trap that kill at least two gladers and nearly kills Winston. Why are they doing this? Not Winston, anyone but Winston. So then through the desert, they find a building in which a girl is screaming. But Thomas goes in and discovers that the screaming is artificial. What? and enters the building to find Teresa, who kisses him and tells him that he needs to stay away from her. What the fuck is going on? Okay, so th- the gladers are searching for supplies in this building with an artificial scream. Like, oh, why would you get out of there? What the? But then he begins to recover memories. Oh, oh, not that again. Oh, Thomas is thinking about memories. Kill me. So he's thinking about his memories of the relationship that he had with Teresa before his memories were removed. Jeez Louise, did James Dashner write this Wikipedia? So then they go to another city, but they caught in a lightning storm that wipes out half of the group and kills Winston and Jack. Not sure who Jack is, but, but Winston, oh no. He only just narrowly escaped death with the tunnel with the slicing mechanisms and then thunder and lightning got him. Oh man. Can't catch a break, that Winston. So then they find another building. So many buildings. And then a group of cranks are there. And they're led by a man named Jorge. Okay. Oh, but then Minnow attacks Jorge and sentences him to death before Thomas talks him out of it. What, what did Jorge do? What, what, what? Like, obviously I'm missing things because I'm not reading the book. But can this Wikipedia fill a bitch in? Like, what, what, what is wrong with Jorge? So Jorge and his second in command, a teenage girl called Brenda, they help the Gladers escape in exchange for some of the cure, which they do not have. But then Thomas and Brenda get separated from the rest of the group and Thomas discovers a message written all over the city that says he is the real leader. What, what, who's leaving messages in the city? Who's the real, Thomas is the real leader of the Gladers or of, of the Cranks? What's going on? So then the group is attacked and separated. And then Thomas and Brenda are captured by another group of cranks who drug them. Okay. And then Brenda tries to kiss Thomas before they pass out. <gasps> what? But he says no because of his feelings for Teresa. And then he tells Brenda that she could never be Teresa, which again seems a bit mean spirited. Like you just met the girl. I don't think she's even met Teresa, has she? I don't, I don't know. 
I don't think she has, but you can't just say to someone, you'll never be Teresa. That's just mean spirited. So Minnow rescues them, but then Thomas is shot in the shoulder with a rusty bullet that leads to an infection. <gasps> okay, as his wounds get worse, Wicked take him aboard a flying vehicle, <laughs> a flying vehicle, called a Berg to heal his infection. What, that doesn't, I thought Wicked were doing this test to see who drops off. People die, people die. Uh, now they're trying to heal Thomas. So Wicked must heal him and then just set him back into the trials. Why does he get a free pass? And so now that he's healed, he goes back to the Gladers and he tells them Wicked never wanted him to get shot and they consider him very important to its plans. But then he gets a message from Teresa telepathically and she's like, something's about to happen. (sighs) Too much has happened, actually. This is crazy town. So then the Gladers come across Group B who are being led by Teresa, which I don't buy because... She's new to the group, so why would they trust her and nominate her to be the leader? But, th- but then, Group B takes Thomas prisoner and Teresa says that she plans to kill him. What? Ter- Teresa? Et tu, Teresa? What is going on? And then some of the other Group B girls told Thomas that Teresa never liked him and that their earlier kiss had been against her will. What? And these girls are called Harriet and Sonia. <laughs> and... <laughs> I wonder who they're named after. I don't know. And they tell Thomas that they're not going to kill him and that Teresa is unhappy about it. What the fuck does any of this mean? I think they're trying to convince him that Teresa's doing the dirty double cross, but I don't believe it. (gasps) But then Teresa comes to Thomas with Aris, or Aris, and Teresa and Aris are kissing and she says that she's been manipulating Thomas all along. I still don't believe it. I I still don't believe it. She just warned him something bad would happen and now this is happening. So like, obviously it's not real. Although she did say Wicked was good. Maybe she is a dirty double crosser. Who knows? So they lock Thomas in a room. um, And so then he passes out. And of course, once he's unconscious, he remembers more of his past relationship. But then he's rescued by Aris and Teresa, who explain that they were forced by Wicked to make Thomas feel betrayed. (laughs) And if they had not complied, then Wicked would have killed him. That's all bullshit. What? Oh, we had to do it, Thomas, because Wicked would have killed you. Whatever. And Thomas doesn't trust them. He's like, "Uh, I don't buy it. A lot of capturing in this book so far, right? They're getting captured by them, who captured them, who get captured by them. You can't trust anybody. Just believe you're still in the maze. That's what I think. Anyway, so then the Gladers in Group B reach the place where the safe haven is supposed to be and then another lightning storm approaches. What are the odds? And then they're attacked by monsters created by Wicked until another Berg arrives from Wicked and then they fight their way on board. Why would Wicked be saving them if they're sending monsters after them and lightning storms? But then the Wicked, whoever Wicked is, I guess it's just, you know, the collective group Wicked, they say that you have to pick either Jorge or Brenda to board and the one who doesn't board will be killed. And Thomas gets this choice apparently. Why he's got a Sophie's choice all of a sudden, I don't know. Um, so he chooses Brenda, but then he overpowers whatever guard has got them at gunpoint. And, and so then they're both saved. But then the guard goes, oh, by the way, it was just another test anyway. So, oh, what, what? so then they, I guess they're just resting on the Berg and Teresa communicates telepathically with Thomas. 
and she tells Thomas that others are being told that he has succumbed to the flare and he still doesn't trust her. And he's like, leave me alone. And she says, wicked is good. And that's, that's the book. What a shit plot that is. I mean, that doesn't make a lick of sense. And so then there's another epilogue, which is another email (laughs) from Ava Page, who writes that Wicked will soon tell the Gladers whether or not they are immune to the flare. Shouldn't they figure out eventually? Like what? Surely they just figure it out when they don't go crazy and turn into zombies. Um, All right. Well, that's that book. Okay. So the next book is The Death Cure. By the way, that just solidifies for me that I'm never reading the fucking Scorch Trials ever. Not watching the movie, not reading the book. Uh, after today, I am done with the Maze Runner. Sucked in James. And I see he's also done a prequel, but I'm not even going to read about that. Like, I do not give two shits about a prequel about how Thomas got involved with the Maze. Not interested. Okay, so, all right. So we start the death cure with Thomas being held in solitary confinement and then he's released by the Rat Man, who's apparently the assistant director of Wicked. I thought he was just a low-level kind of guy, but now he's the assistant director. So Rat Man tells him that most of Group A and Group B are immune to the flare, but some are not immune, including Newt. Oh, poor Newt. So then the Gladers are offered the chance to remove the mind-controlled chips in their head and restore their memories, but at the cost of Thomas's ability to communicate telepathically with Teresa and Aris. He can communicate with Aris too? What the hell? And so Thomas, Minnow and Newt choose not to undergo the surgery because they don't trust Wicked. What? Why would you not? Thomas is like, oh, you know what? You can control me all you want. Yeah, keep your mind control chip in as long as I can still talk to my girlfriend whom I don't trust. I still want to be able to talk to her telepathically. So keep your experimental chip in my brain. What the hell? And why are Minnow and Newt signing up to that? Oh, but then Thomas, Minnow and Newt get rescued from Wicked by Brenda and Jorge, who I guess remove their chips. How do they do that? Because Brenda and Jorge are revealed to have been working for Wicked all along. Like, obviously. (laughs) And then they realize that everyone who did go under the memory restoration removal of the mind control chip What's a jigget? They now have abandoned the rest of them. What? So then they travel to Denver. What? Denver? To find Hans, a former wicked researcher who can remove their mind control chips. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No. So they, they do still have the mind control chips. What is going on? And then guess what? Guess what? Gally's there. Gally's been in Denver this whole time. So he's still alive. And he's joined a rebel group called the Right Arm that explains that Wicked is capturing every immune, uh, proper noun, capital I, that it can find to prepare another cycle of the trials. Why? All these trials, where are the results? What's the end point? What are you doing here? And Galley also tells them that people with the flare take the illicit drug called Bliss, proper noun, capital B, because it slows down the brain's functioning and helps to relieve the pain that the cranks feel from the flare. What, can anybody decipher this? So Hans removes Minnow's control chip, but then Wicked uses mind control through Thomas's chip to force him to resist the procedure. What the hell? Why have Wicked got a hard-on for this Thomas kid? Like, let someone else lead the trials. Like, he's not, he's, what makes him so special? 
So I don't know. It must work anyway. So then they go visit a cafe. There's cafes. I thought it was a decaying city, but now there's cafes. Oh, I guess maybe Denver's nicer than wherever they were last book. So then a security guard apprehends Thomas to sell him to bounty hunters. Bounty hunters? What? And then Ratman's there in a holographic and he sends a police vehicle to rescue Thomas from the bounty hunters. Uh, who, what is going on? But meanwhile, Newt's been taken to the cranks and Ratman in this hologram, he's like, hey, Thomas, you have to go and save Newt. What? So then Minnow's like, all right, let's go to the Denver Crank Palace. What's a Denver Crank Palace? Sounds fun. And so Newt has succumbed to the flare and he's begging for Thomas to shoot him as an act of mercy. So Thomas is like, okay, yeah, I'll shoot ya. And I guess he just shoots Newt. So rest in peace, Newt. But then while that's all going on, apparently Teresa and the other immunes have been captured. And apparently this guy who's called Vince, he's the leader of the right arm. He has got them to try and infiltrate Wicked's headquarters. And then Thomas discovers that Ratman had been trying to use his attempt to save Newt to compile data for the cure by examining the physical structure of Thomas's brain, which would kill him. What? (sighs) And so then Thomas is forced to begin the deadly brain surgery. What? He's giving himself brain surgery? But instead he manages to plant a device that disables Wicked's weapons. What, in his own brain? What, uh, what? I, I don't understand. Oh, okay, so then the right arm starts storming the facility. This is a dreadful book. You know what? I think The Maze Runner is bloody war and peace compared to these two books that I've just read the summaries for. I mean, as soon as you leave the maze, it all goes to shit. But this one's not over yet. So then Thomas wakes up to find a note from Chancellor Ava Page. A lot of waking up and reading notes. I'm, I'm getting the sense that that's a trend alert. And so Ava said, there's already enough resources from the trials to make a blueprint for the cure. So his brain is not needed after all. Okay, great. But then she's revealing the locations of the immunes that were sold by the right arm. Oh, the right arm sold the immunes. Okay. To gain access to Wicked. And she's directing them to a safe place where Thomas should take them. Why? It's probably also an experiment and part of the test. I don't know. Oh, and then they go back to the maze. What? They go back into the maze to find the captured immunes. But then they discover that the right arm are trying to destroy rather than occupy Wicked Headquarters. I mean, is that a shock, really? And so explosions rock the maze and falling debris kills some of the immunes who are inside. Oh, no. Um, And so then triggered by the commotion, the gravers come out of storage. Of course they do. Oh, Just like any good trilogy, the end always comes back to where it started. Oh, James, you're brilliant. But then Teresa shows Thomas how to shut down the Gravers. Okay, maybe she is a little dirty double-crosser secret agent because how does she know how to shut off a Graver? Because you you certainly didn't do that in book one. Would have been very helpful. So yeah, I don't trust Teresa. Okay. Um, And then they find a back door. Okay. In that maze that they spent two years exploring, apparently Thomas just stumbles across a back door. Surely not, but it turns out to be a flat trans. Okay, I still don't really like the, the term flat trans for some reason. Okay, so they find a flat trans and they start herding the immune kids through the flat trans. 
But then Ratman comes around the corner. Oh my goodness. And so then they start fighting and Thomas strangles Ratman to death. Oh, rest in peace, Ratman. But while that's happening, Teresa dies from falling debris while trying to save Thomas's life. <gasps> so rest in peace, Teresa. Oh, everyone's getting killed off. So, okay, they all flee the building. What building? I thought they were in the maze. And the immunes escape through the flat trance that leads to a lush paradise. Oh, okay, nice. And then there's an epilogue, again, narrated by Chancellor Ava Page. And she reveals that the flare was deliberately created and released by the government as a form of population control. However, the government found themselves unable to control the plague. And so she realized that they were never able to find a cure for the flare and that Wicked's efforts were futile. And she realized that the only hope of preventing humanity's extinction was for the immunes to start their society away from the rest of the world. And so she devised a plan with Brenda and Jorge to send them to a safe place where they could restore human civilization. And so she stated Wicked is good. Okay, so she was behind it all, but as, as the hero of the piece, by sending them into this lush paradise, Surely there was a simpler way to do that than through these maze trials. <laughs> like, ah, uh, ah, uh, what a horrible, horrible book. None of it makes sense. That's ridiculous. Well, okay, so that's that. Hardly seems worth it. Honestly, can you think of a more dreadful trilogy? I, I don't think I can. All right, well, so that's Maze Runner. Done and dusted. Let us never speak of it again. Um, Since this one was a bit of a shorter cheater episode, I'm thinking I'll release a little bonus episode in the coming days, looking at the 365 Days movie that's come out, the third one, because that's a good trilogy. If you want to examine a trilogy done well with, you know, too much plot, too much character building, too much world building, then you've got your 365 Days trilogy. It's been out for a few weeks, but I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. So my intention is to get that watched in the next couple of days and drop out a little review of that in the feed as well before next week, kicking off with Fifty Shades Freed. So I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 